Good morning, church. I promised myself I wasn't going to cry in the second service, but that song gets me every time. To hear several hundred people lift their voices and give glory to God is a, a moving thing, and I hope you were moved. So I met somebody this morning. I met several somebodies this morning. I met the church this morning. I uh, shared with the folks in the first service that I came with a little bit of a heavy heart to church today. Little spiritual struggles were going on and I uh, came in and Pastor Rossetti asked me how I was doing. I said, not great. And he said, Stephen, let's go pray with Pastor John. And they laid their hands on me and they prayed with me. I met the church there today. I preached the service and I went out into the lobby and was talking to some folks and this lovely young couple who were about to be married came up to me and said, we have questions about the Lord and we really want to serve him. Can we ask you some questions? I met the church out in the lobby today. And then an older gentleman grabbed me and said, hey, I miss having lunch with you. Can we get together this week? I met with the church and talked to him for about 10 minutes. And then there was an older gentleman who saw me sitting in a chair and I don't know if uh, you're a parent here if you ever had any difficulties with your children. I don't know if that ever happened to you, but I said, yeah, I'm having a little trouble with my older son and he, uh, he sat and gave me some wisdom that I will take to heart. I met the church there this morning. So I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. I want you to get up, turn to the row behind you, and say hello to the church. Hello. Come on, stand up. <laughs> All right. All right. Enough of that love stuff. Let's get back to our seats. Let's, let's get back to where we were. But I have a pretty cool friend, don't I? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We are the church, and we're going to have a brief four-series of messages about the church, and then we'll get back into 1 Samuel. Uh, so don't be disheartened, but we will get there. Uh, before we pray um, this morning, actually, no, let's just pray, and we'll, we'll begin our message this morning. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for what we know is the church, the people in this room, and the people outside this room who call you their Lord and Savior. Lord, your church is not four walls. It's not chairs. It's not carpeting. It's not instruments. It's not anything but our relationship with you. We are the church. And Lord, as we learn about you a little bit more today in your relationship to the church, just be with us. Open our hearts and open our minds and just tell us what you would have for us this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, we're not gonna go over any new territory today because we don't have to. And sometimes it's just okay to be reminded of who we are as the church. And we'll get into this a little deeper, but I think it is so important in today's world that we remember who and what we are as the church of Jesus Christ because our world is rapidly changing. So let's go 
Start in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And, and Peter gives this resounding answer that we all know and love. He says, what about you? He asked Peter, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's how Peter responded, remember that. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father from heaven revealed this to you. What did the father reveal to Peter? That Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to Peter. It was God who did that. And so Jesus goes on and says, I tell you that you are Peter, you are Petros, you are a rock, Peter. As sure as I'm standing here, you are standing in front of me. You are a strong man. You are Petros. You are a rock, brother. But on this Petra, on this other rock, on this cornerstone, on this larger rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And what is this larger rock? Peter, brother, you are strong, but on this rock I'm going to build my church, and it's gonna be based off of this confession, Peter, that my father revealed to you, that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God. That rock is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That rock is Jesus Christ. That rock is our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. That is the rock that Jesus says, I will build my church upon, Peter. It's a stone. It's a firm foundation. It's strength. It's a place of peace. Now, we know in the Gospels, Jesus had not yet built his church. He says to Peter, I will build future tents my church. And that happens in Acts chapter two as the spirit descends on those believers there. And we're leaving one dispensation of God where he dealt with the Jewish people. And remember church that in God's dealing with Israel, there was always this external component of God and his people, remember. There was the temple that you had to go to if you wanted to be in the very presence of God. There was the, the cloud by day or the fire by night, but there was always this distance between God and man. But in this next phase called the church, Jesus says that he would build, that this would be a different relationship between God and man. And this relationship would be built on peace. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, the Jew and the Gentile, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. So two people, two groups of people who were at enmity with each other would be brought together. They would lay their hatred for each other down. They would put that aside. Why? Because they would be reconciled through the cross. At the cross, there is peace, there is reconciliation, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away. That's the Gentiles who were far away. And peace to those who were near, the Jews who had, who had the scriptures. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. 
So what's that have to do with the church? Well, this is the foundation of the church. This is the rock that he promised us he would build on. This is the rock of the cross. He says that reconciliation will come through the cross. Peace will come through the cross. The laying down of of being enemies will come through the cross. And he's not just talking about Jew and Gentile. He's talking about you and him. God was hostile towards you. At the same time he loved you because of your sin, because of my sin, he was hostile to us. But through the cross, through the cross he reconciles us and brings us peace. And we church, now that we are the church, we are this this new form of God's household, we are the carriers, we are the, the caretakers of reconciliation. We're the caretakers of peace upon which we were established. And that's a very important and significant thing to realize that now we have access to God that wasn't given to anyone prior to the church. That song, Behold Our God Sitting on His Throne, is given to you as the church, as a privilege. No high priest has to enter into the throne room of God for you anymore. You enter into that throne room and you behold God on that throne and you put your cares and your doubts and your your anger and your, your selfishness and you put that before him as you walk into his throne room and you behold his glory and you say, I'm coming to you by way of the cross, by way of peace, by way of reconciliation. That's the heart of the church. That's the rock on which we sit. We are the house that Jesus built. Consequently, Paul says in Ephesians, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, I look over here, I keep looking over here because in my mind, I see the cornerstone right here. What was the cornerstone, church? It was the first stone laid and everything would be built out from that stone. Everything would be in a straight line and line up with that stone and the weight of that structure would rest on that stone, both horizontally and vertically. That stone was the most important part of the whole building, of the whole house. And Christ himself is our chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Two things I want to talk about this morning. You met my friend the church this morning, didn't you? The church is not four walls or chairs. But here, Jesus used the analogy of a house being built. And he's going to say two things. There's a house being built, the structure on these stones that is external, that is the building of the house. And then there's an internal component to the building of the house. And we'll see both of these as we move forward. But remember that, there's the external building of the house and the internal, a finishing work, if you will. Those of you who are construction oriented, the finishing. How does he do this? How do we do this? In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That's the external. In him, the whole building joined together rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
So God is having us build this external structure, spiritual structure. Why, church? Why? Why are we building this temple that is the church? Well, in him, too, you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Why are we building up the church? So God can come and live among us. So God can come live in it. So God can come rest in the church and be our God and our reconciler and our peacemaker. Well, John, aren't I the temple? Yes, Paul also says that we are the temple, but he clearly says here that as the church at large is built up and as the church at large in Camden, Delaware is built, the spiritual church, that it is a place where God comes in and lives. The great reconciler, the great peacemaker comes and dwells in us as a church body. And that's a beautiful thing because we are the house that Jesus is building. And coming to him as living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All right, so why do we call him church the living God? because he ain't dead, all right? God's not dead, he is surely alive, right? So we call him the living God. He's not like the pagan gods, he's not like the Greek gods, he's not like those gods that weren't resurrected. He is alive, he's the living God. He moves, he breathes, he does, he builds, he inhabits, he saves, he forgives, he changes lives. So he is the living God that is moving and active. What are you, church? What are you? And coming to him as a living stone, he's the living stone, he's the living cornerstone, he's the first amongst it all. He is the place where we measure everything in the church. He is that cornerstone, and he's living and he's breathing. It has been, he has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. You, church, are what? Living stones. Is that better, church, than being a dead stone? Yeah, it certainly is. If I were to say to this dead stone, go and make disciples, that dead stone would kind of just sit there. I'm a dead stone, I can't go make disciples. But living stones, when the Lord says go and make disciples, those stones rock this world. (laughs) Greg, you could have started that off for me. But you have the ability to rock this world because you are not dead stones. You are living stones and you have a message, church. And in this world today, There needs to be a message of hope. There needs to be a message that there are standards, there are objective truths. Our young people are dying. They're dying because there is no truth, there is no hope, there is no future. There's only now in the world to them, it's climate change, it's gonna die in five years. It's wokeism, everybody's gonna kill each other. We don't know what's male, we don't know what's female. The church is the truth. The gospel is the truth. But we have to be living stones, church. Living stones don't hide the gospel under a bushel. Living stones engage the world 
And they don't care if they're crucified because they know that they have a message that people need to hear. Some people in this room need to hear the message. Some people in this room haven't moved from where they've been stoned for a long time. Some people haven't moved at all. We don't live in fear, church. We serve a living God. He builds his church stone by living stone. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What do we call this church? What do we call this? The Great Commission. What does that mean? If your if you're cornerstone's over here, from which you measure everything and from which you get your commands, and this is a living cornerstone, and the cornerstones, in order to build this church, you need, to, you need to follow through on this great commission. You need to go and make disciples out of the nations. What does a living stone do? Ugh, ugh, ugh. I wanna go, I wanna go. Or does a living stone say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will build this house one stone at a time through your power, for your glory, by your command. That's a living stone. Dead stones don't build nothing. Living stones build the house of God. But how are you doing with the Great Commission? In your world, is it the so-so commission? Is it the I'll get to it one day commission? Are you out of commission? I don't know. I'm always struggling. I'm always trying to be further down the road on the Great Commission. I fear sharing the gospel. I have some fear. I don't share it with everybody. But each day of my life, I strive to share it more and more. I try to overcome my fear. Somebody asked me, how do you, how do you trust the Lord? How do you overcome fear? You know, as the older I get, you just let it happen. You love people. You don't hurt people. You don't yell at people. You don't, you don't, you don't be nasty to people. But you just be yourself. You love people. And you say, I got some good news for you. You know, Jesus Christ, he was real. He died for your sins. Place your sins on him. And you know, the third day he was resurrected. And he showed that he has power over sin and death. And you want to trust in somebody for a future? Trust in Jesus Christ. And be part of this body that I introduced you to this morning. These nice smiling faces. He lets me build the house with him. Now I asked this morning if everybody had their socks on. Everybody have their socks on? Most of you? All right, I'm going to knock them off now. You ready? All right. All right. All right, you all better sit down for this one. Okay, good. All right, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak, says Paul, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. What was he thinking by saying that? I might save some. What a boast that is. Does Paul save people? But yet he claims that he might save some. Shall we remove that part from the Bible? Why not, church? What is Paul saying? You know, we've gone to the extreme of the pendulum where we say, well, let God do it. I can stay here in my room, in my house, and I can let him over there build his house, and because God is sovereign, 
Everybody he wants to come to him will come to him and his house will be continued to be built and I'll just stay over here and on Sundays I'll come and I'll enjoy his house because it's a very nice house. But yet I don't have to be part of that because I, I don't save people. He doesn't need me. Paul has the opposite mindset. Paul doesn't think he can save anybody, church. He doesn't. Let's get that straight. Paul knows that salvation comes from Christ and Christ alone. But what Paul is saying here is as a living stone who was laid on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, I have been given the great commission to make disciples, to spread the gospel, to give people hope, and instead of just staying here on the cornerstone, I'm gonna go out from there, I'm gonna build his house by spreading the gospel, and thank goodness that God uses me to save some. Thank goodness that I'm a willing vessel. Who did you hear the gospel from, church? Did you get a direct call from God? I didn't. It was a human being who was willing to be a living stone who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me because that person wanted to be part of saving some through his precious Lord Jesus Christ. That person knew the message wasn't his, the sacrifice wasn't his, the blood that washes wasn't his, the resurrection wasn't something that he performed, but he was a messenger, he was a conduit, he was one who the gift was given to. Why were the Jews special people? Because God had given them the gift of the word. It's the very same thing that we've been given. The gift of the word of God, and that word is the Bible, but that word more so is Jesus himself. He is the word. So church, we're welcome to build this house with him. And Paul is a humble man, but he thanks God for allowing him to participate in this incredible, incredible activity. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Why does Paul do this? Why does he become weak for the weak? And why does he become hungry for the, for the hungry? Why does he become poor for the poor and rich for the rich? Why does, he, why does he do all these things? Why is he this chameleon? He does all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in the blessings of sharing the good news. Have you ever, have you recently thought of the blessing of sharing the good news, that it is a blessing, especially in this world, to be able to say to a young person, there is hope, there is a God, there is more than climate change and the end of the world, there is a God who loves you, there's a resurrection, there is power in this life to live on the cornerstone, and there's love through people communing like you and I. We got some good news, church, that we need to spread. The house is built with nails of love. I almost erased that because it sounded so corny, but man, it's so true. The nails of Jesus Christ build this house. The nails in his wrist. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Church, a lot of people are not holding fast the confession of this hope. I talk to people all the time who are wavering, who are drifting, who are letting their faith be compromised by things that are not true, who are becoming woke. They're waking up to the world around them and they're fashioning their churches to invite the woke into their church. The cornerstone never changes, church. The truth of Jesus never changes. 
And we should never let the doctrine of our church change. And when I say that, may throw up red flags of legalism to you, but that's not what I mean. The doctrine is just our teaching about God, Christ, salvation, and all the things that we believe in. And that should never, ever change, nor should we try to fashion it in a different way to make the meaning change so that we can have more people in our church. That's not how we build the church. We build the church with believers. We build the church by those who hold fast to the confession of hope. But many are wavering, many are wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So you got the external. You're building the church by sharing the gospel. What is the internal part of this house? Well, the internal part of this house is that we need to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We need to love each other is the bottom line. What I experienced this morning between services when no less than five people interacted with me. Well, you're one of the pastors. I know, but I was sitting out there not asking to be approached. And I gotta tell you, I, I preached uh, two, two months ago about my cousin Joni. I don't know if anyone remember. I, I, don't, I don't expect people to remember everything that's said from here. But she, two months ago, was diagnosed with lung cancer. And... Uh, it went through her whole lymphatic system. And two people always, one in the first service, one in the second service, every week they would see me, they would say, how's Joni doing? And I don't know, that blessed my soul to some degree. You remember something I said about someone in my life who was important to me who's dying, and they took the time to say that. And this morning when, they, when the person who says it in the first service came up to me, I said, I, I'm sorry, I have to tell you that Joni passed away uh, last week and she was not saved as far as we know. She didn't want to hear anything about the gospel. But I felt loved, church. I felt that somebody remembered something that was important and just brought it up. And I know those two people, one in the first and one in the second service, were praying for that. They weren't just saying, I'll pray for you. They actually prayed. So church, we are supposed to be lovers in here Endures of good deeds, lovers of each other, lovers of the cornerstone from which all love is measured, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some and as is the habit more and more of some. I bring this up every time I preach probably, but with COVID and everything else, people are online churching. And yes, I was just informed in my small group that there's still a church in Dover where it's a drive-up church, like a drive-in theater. And you drive up the church, you listen to the pastor on the speaker, and then you drive out of the church. How can you share love doing that? How can someone come up to you and say, hey, I'm praying for your cousin Joni? Hey, roll down your window, praying for your cousin Joni. It's just not conducive to love and good deeds. Church, if you have someone who's a believer who is not attending a church, with all the baggage that churches have, I know there's baggage with churches. I know people have hurt feelings, but they are not gonna thrive if they're sitting at home, listening to the preachers on the internet, listening to the preachers on the radio, and they think that they're gonna be able to spread love and good deeds, and they think they're gonna be able to obey the Lord who says don't forsake the gathering together of each other. They are wrong, and you need to lovingly confront them and say, come back. Find the church that you like. It doesn't have to be this one but encourage them to come back. And listen to this church, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day is that church? Jesus coming back. 
We just went through the Easter stories where Jesus, as he sat on that donkey and looked over Jerusalem and he wept. Why did he weep, church? Because they didn't recognize the time of his coming. And church, he tells us to look for the signs of his second coming, doesn't he? I don't want him to weep over us not recognizing the signs of his second coming. Church, it could be one year, it could be 20 years, it could be 40 years, it could be during this message that Jesus Christ returns and we have to live our lives as though he could return right now. But I have to tell you, church, things are accelerating in the world to lead me to believe that maybe we really don't have a lot of time. There will be persecution in our lifetime. There will be Christians being shut down from the media in our lifetime. There will be digital currency that can track all of us in our lifetime. There will be war, significant war, in our lifetime. As you see these things and you see Jesus Christ's return drawing near, again, whether it's today or 40 years from now, how are you responding, church? Are you coming together in love? Are you sharing each other's burdens? Are you doing good deeds? The house is also built by skilled tradesmen. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. What's the purpose of the internal structure of the church? To bring us to maturity. And bring us to the maturity of what, church? We are being brought to be more and more like Jesus Christ. That is the maturity we hope to attain. It's actually the purpose statement of our church. FCC exists to equip everyone for spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. That's what we want to do with our willing apprentices. We want to come together, use our gifts, and allow each other to grow in the faith. And the church should be no place where the 80-20 rule is in effect. What's the 80-20 rule? Everybody know it? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And we should not be like the world, but that is your typical church. Now, we're better than that. We have a lot of people who chip in, but I'm worried about those of you who aren't using your gifts and your resources to build this body, to build this temple that God wants us to be, both externally and internally, and we can't do it without you, or we can't do it effectively enough without you. If you looked at your bulletin this morning, you would see need upon need listed there, where the church needs help. Where are you, church? Where are you? This isn't a game. This isn't something we do on Sunday. This is a living body of Jesus Christ. We are his hands, we are his feet. But we need a few more feet and a couple more hands. And this should be your pleasure to step in. All right, in this house we're all equal. And I have to comment on this, I don't wanna step on any toes, but if your toes be stepped upon, so be it. For even as the body is one, and yet as many members, and all members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. I'm gonna talk about 
race, church. You ready? Thank you, sister. That does encourage me. <laughs> it's almost like a blessing. Now, here you go, church. It's a place of peace, of reconciliation. Look around. It's almost like a snowstorm in our church, if you look around. But we're getting more people of different ethnic and racial backgrounds, and that blesses our socks off. If any of us ever make them feel unwelcome, shame on us. Shame on us. We are all equal in Christ. I, I, you know, it takes me back to whatever you think of Martin Luther King, we need to get back to judging people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. But today in our culture, the world and Satan is pitting us against each other and are doing everything they can to make us look at each other and say, you're bad, you're evil, you're, you're gonna hurt me. That's all they wanna do. They wanna tear apart the fabric of a place like this, the church of Jesus Christ, where we are all equal, and we cannot let that happen. They cannot win. We need to be one. Rich, poor, black, white. I even hate to use those terms. Thank you, sister. Come on up here. Come on up here. Let's get you up here. All nations, all people, all kindreds, all tongues. Anyway, I, I don't want to go on and on, but man, if we're not loving everybody, there's something wrong with us, and they are winning. And when I say they, I mean the prince of the power of the air who controls these people. All right, all right, all right. So I put myself out there in the first service. Our house is a very, very, ah, fellow sinners. <laughs> all right, so I grew up in a secular household, so I listened to a lot of secular music, so this is a, a great song. Well, I don't know if it's great, forgive me, take that back. Cut that out of the tape. I don't know what the lyrics are except for this. Our house is a very fine house. But our house church is a very fine house. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He laid that cornerstone by which everything can be measured and built upon so that he might sanctify her. Listen to this church, this is so poetic. Having cleansed her, by the washing of the water with the word. I just feel soothed hearing that. He cleansed me by the washing of the water of the word. He is the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Church, we are the bride of Christ. We are the very household. We are the very people that he is cleansing to present to himself. He's cleansing us so that he can present us to himself clean and unblemished. And that should be our heart's desire, though we'll never get there until he comes again. We should nourish and cherish each other until we get there. So I'm gonna pass to Rossetti, if he wouldn't mind, I can't play the piano. Can't even lift them anymore, but that's a different story. So I'm gonna leave you with a blessing. I'm gonna leave you with this, and I just want Pastor Rossetti just to play a little softly in the background. And I'm, I'm not, I, I am trying to, to tap into your emotions about who we are as the church. Church, we are something special. 
We are the people of God. We are living stones. There's enough dead stones in this world. We don't need to be more of them. I'm going to leave you with these verses. But you are a chosen race. One race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. The excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you and I, we were once not a people, but now you and I, we are the people of God. You had not received mercy, church, but now, now you have received mercy. So church, as we go out this morning, love one another, bless one another, hug one another, say hi to one another, show mercy one to another. In Jesus' name, church, go and do good things.